News, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Good morning, everyone, and happy Tuesday on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. Good morning, and uh, welcome to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio. Uh, today going on a few little odds and ends uh in that regard, uh, the other day we spoke about some of LSU's recruiting. Uh, I've got a, uh, some tidbits on UL's recruiting So, uh, uh, for our Cajun fans here in the area and uh, listeners at Kane uh, Radio. Also, a little trade in the uh, NBA. The Celtics officially announced a blockbuster trade. Uh, uh, we'll see how that uh, all comes to fruition. Elsewhere, of course, uh, our last segment, we'll always talk about our today in sports history, of course, being July 12th. Uh, the the babe is in there in a few times, so we'll we'll talk about that. And uh, Jeff, uh, anything uh, on your mind you might have saw in the news this morning? Well, I, I have looked at uh, several headlines uh, just to go through a few of what I've seen. Rory McIlroy says it would be better for golf if the British Open winner is not from LIV. Um, we'll take a look maybe at who can and cannot win the Open at St. Andrews. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo trade rumors uh, still added. SEC, uh, Southeastern Conference presidents prefer the conference remains at 16 teams instead of expanding. Albert Pujols uh, will reportedly compete in the Home Run Derby. I'm not a big fan of the Home Run Derby, but I think I would watch it to see if a 42-year-old can compete. Well, you know, you, you know, you see a lot of these young guys, and after hitting uh, 10, 12, 15 home runs, they get exhausted. Oh, it is. You know, it's you talk, you're talking about guys swinging at 100 miles an hour. They're pumping at balls, trying to drive them as far as they can, and I still believe, uh, yeah, it's, it's the uh, quickness of the swing, but it's also just a – it's called uh, taking a round bat and hitting a round ball square, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no doubt. Robinson Cano uh, had a couple of hits in his Braves debut. Thought his career may have been washed up, but he'll try and keep it going in Atlanta. Former Michigan football coach Gary Moeller passes yeah, I away. I did I, see I had that. forgotten he had coached a little bit with the Detroit Lions, too. I, I did, too. I did, too. I forgot about that. And uh, he was only the head coach at uh, Michigan, what, maybe four years in the early 90s? I think, but uh, he took over for Bo. Yeah, from Bo, that's correct. The boy, tough act to follow too. Uh, but he did have some success, and I think he's won two or three Big Ten titles in the years he was up there. And I think uh, didn't they have a Heisman Trophy winner? In uh, Desmond Howard. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, with the Heisman, one of the first ones to pose in the Heisman mm. <laughs> touchdown. Uh, and I think they beat Ohio State a couple years too in that regard. Maybe uh, I know that Heisman year they did. Oh yeah, Earl Bruce I think was still uh, the coach at Ohio State if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, but uh, uh, some other uh, news that I saw this morning, it kind of surprised me, but didn't surprise me. It's supported uh, that the U.S. Justice Department is investigating the PGA Tour for antitrust violations against the Saudi-backed LIV. Wow. That's all i got to say is wow. Uh, the article goes into the PGA Tour and LIV golfer and heavyweight title fight for the future of the professional golf and the Justice Department is watching closely a ringside. Uh, in Monday afternoon, the Wall Street Journal and the PGA Tour confirmed the Department of Justice is investigating whether the tour is engaged in anti-competitive behavior against Greg Norman-led Saudi Arabia-funded LIV golf 
Invitational Series, the DOJ declined comment while a spokesman for the tour was confident. According to the journal, the upstart circuit has long been criticized for an, another way of uh, the Saudi government to sports wash its human rights record. The series of events, the eight this year and 14 next year, offer alternatives to the tour, such as a 50-hole no-cut tournaments that offer mega-million signing bonuses, exorbitant prize funds, including 120000 to last place. Uh, in response to the challenges brought on by the LIB, the tour has increased its strategic alliance with the DP World Tour, enhanced prize funds for certain events, and banned those who have played for the Upstart Circuit, which has hosted two events this summer, with the third to come later this month at the Trump National Golf Club in uh, Bedmeister, a minister. Uh, critics have called into question the bans, as well as the policy of requiring players to request releases to play in tournaments opposite tour events. Noted in the report, the 1994 Federal Trade Commission looked into two tour rules regarding golfers playing in non-PGA events without commissioner's permission and their appearance on television golf programs, but stood down a year later. That was not an expected set of PGA Tour spokesman to the journal. We went through this in '94. We are confident in a similar outcome. Wow. I, I don't see uh, the issue. I, I mean, that's like uh, a guy who I'm trying to find. Uh, I'm going to use a couple of non clients here. Uh, All right. A guy who works at Pizza Hut asking for time off from his job so he can work at Domino's. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't see where the PGA is wrong in this instance. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. But, uh, yeah, who's to stop you from a fair trade uh, in that regard? So I, I'm not sure if that's something uh, who would bring this to light. I, I don't know. But, uh, of course, in the article there in the Wall Street Journal, it talked about uh, – you know, the uh, anti-competitive, I, I just, I, I'm surprised, you know, and you see a lot of these PGA professionals resigning from the PGA. You know, it's over 20. I remember we talking about that a few weeks ago, and uh, I don't know if uh, if our PGA professional, local PGA professional is aware of that, but uh, I, when he comes in later on this morning, we'll, maybe we'll ask him to see what he, his thoughts are. It would be a different animal if, say, when the PGA does have a bit of a hiatus in the wintertime, they wanted to play for a different tour in those uh, hiatus periods. Sure. I think that would be uh, a little bit of more of a, a, a cause for antitrust uh, behavior, uh, but I, I, I just don't see it happening. Well, anyway. You, you, anybody can sue, but whether or not you win that lawsuit, uh, again, yeah. two and, different animals. And that comes into t- playing with the frivolous lawsuits we see about today yeah. uh, in that regard. Oh, I hate your blue shoes, so I'm going to sue you. Anyway, uh, we'll see what transpires with this. But uh, interesting. Uh, uh, we got. I'll see if we follow up on it, see if anything. But, of course, they said they're looking into. That's not saying they are prepared to do anything. Just watching and gazing. So, But uh, I just thought it was interesting, interesting to see. Yeah, and again, uh, anyone can challenge something, but winning it is uh, a completely different animal. You're right about that. Anyway, just uh, I mentioned uh, a blockbuster trade. The Celtics uh, have officially announced it, I think, in the last day or two. On Saturday, Boston officially announced 
that the trade uh, landed them Indiana Pacers guard Malcolm Brogdon, uh, the former Virginia star, was the rookie of the year in 2016 with the Bucks. He averaged 19 points a game, five rebounds, six assists. He will be a huge addition to the Celtics that made the NBA Finals last month. And of course, they lost to the Golden State Warriors in six games. One of the biggest question marks for the Celtics going into the offseason was the fact they did not have a true point guard. Uh, Brogdon uh, can play that role and help facilitate uh, the offense with Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. And uh, uh, that's, that was a trade over the weekend. So, uh, yes, uh, something to keep people in the know and see what's going on. I also mentioned to you <laughs> uh, yesterday, you know, we talked a little bit about Wimbledon. I get, a, um, I get a, an email over uh, yesterday afternoon, and uh, in there is a picture of uh, the Queen's box. And in the Queen's box is, uh, the, I think, the, what, what is, uh, uh, not Andrew, uh, Andrew, but his brother's uh, title. I think the Prince of Cambridge, uh, they all have titles in that regard. And uh, he, so I'm just going through the picture, and uh, sure enough, they, in the uh, caption below, is said, check out the guy in the pink tie. And uh, in the pink tie is a good friend of mine, uh, Michael McNulty from Franklin, <laughs> sitting in the Queen's box at Wimbledon with he and his wife, Mary, and uh, for those of you who might not know that name, uh, Mike McNulty's father was Judge McNulty, Mickey McNulty, here in the 16th Judicial District. Uh, I think uh, Judge McNulty had retired sometime in the early 90s. Uh, but Mike, uh, a good friend of mine for many years, uh, going back, uh, gee, 35, 40 years. And uh, he, here he is uh, sitting in the Queen's box at Wimbledon. Well, she hasn't been using it lately. Yeah, her, yeah, her she's grandson. Some time off. Yeah, her grandson uh, uh, basically, I think, was in, uh, and I can't think of his name, uh, the oldest of the two uh, of. Uh, William. William, yeah. And uh, basically, he was the Duke of Cambridge, I think, is his official title right now. He and uh, his young son, when Michael was uh, maybe one, two, three, four rows back. Yeah, sitting up there with his coat and tie, he and his wife Mary uh, with his pink tie, uh, <laughs> quite, quite mag- uh, for Mike. So uh, hats off to him. Uh, anyway, but uh, we'll have some uh, Wimbledon results. They'll play the finals, I be- believe. I uh, have uh, played the finals. And, it's uh, over. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, Jokovic was the man, and then the woman, R-Y-K-A-T, it was a strange I'd name. I'd have to see it to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, it's a tough name to pronounce, but uh, Jokovic won on the men's side. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, Jeff, um, so that's some of the news that's taking place right now. Uh, also, uh, I saw where they had a nice report that uh, w- with the Browns, uh, if uh, – if, <laughs> If Deshaun Watson gets suspended for a year, uh, they're talking that one sports writer had uh, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, going to uh, Cleveland to play for the Browns, saying that that's a better uh, outcome than what uh, it could be for the Browns if uh, Watson's going to miss the whole year. Uh, Word seems to have it that there's a negotiation for 12 games. Really? Yeah. To miss 12 games? To miss 12 games. uh, And... I think the NFL even offered it to the Players Association, which made someone speculate that the NFL knows they're not going to get the full year or expect a full year. All right. Uh, although, again, if if the uh, judge, uh, the independent arbiter, uh, if she were to say 12 games, 
the commissioner could still make it the full season. The, he could, yeah. So, He's got complete authority. Uh, you wonder why they brought it. I guess just to to make it appear. Yeah, th- th- that would be the uh, the the key word there uh, to make it appear. Satisfy that, uh, the players' association. Yeah. But getting back to Garoppolo. Um, Again, it looks like Jeremy Fowler is reporting that the Seahawks are lurking as a potential suitor for his services. Uh, he said, yeah, Seattle, that's still out there. Um, they were sort of implicated in the Baker Mayfield situation, didn't make that move. I'm told that internally they have discussed the possibility of Garoppolo playing for them. They've done their film work to see how he would fit. Fowler added that a few executives he spoke to believe the Niners are a bit stuck in the Jimmy G situation. Well, Got a caller on the line. Let's go to the phones. Hi, you're in the air on Bayou Sports. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so it was a pretty astounding stat yesterday in, in, in that, you know, Carolina is actually going to play Cleveland in week one That's right. of the NFL season. And so the, the Browns will be paying Baker Mayfield over a half a million dollars to play them that game. <laughs> I mean, they're paying uh, part of the salary. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's the crazy that's, world that's of sports. Brown I mean, that's the most Browns thing ever. So, wow. Uh, that's just unbelievable. <laughs> and I'm sure they were aware of, of the uh, situation. Uh, you only play an AFC team versus an NFC team every four years, but uh, it just happened to be. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just uh, extremely ironic, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how he fares in, uh, in Carolina. You know, I mean, he, he's definitely an upgrade from Sam Darnold, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, you, you kind of hear the, the, the rumors that he's just other players don't like him, and he, you know, is kind of a locker room cancer. And so we'll Called see him if that was a brownie thing or, you know, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I was talking about Wimbledon. I, I didn't watch a whole lot. I used to be glued when it was back in the day when, you know, Jimmy Connors and Chris Everett and all those, you know, I'd, I'd, watch, the, I'd watch the whole thing. But um, I used to love Beyond Borg for some reason. It's just the forehand top spin. I would work on that all the time. But um, it's the, the guy who lost to a, no, uh, a Joker, uh, no, Nokovic, whatever. Uh, Jokovic, yeah. He, he, it looks like he's. Yeah, it looks like he's poised to be tennis's next, you know, bad boy. Um, yeah, and, and and I think he's kind of playing that um, that that person that role to, to its fullest to, to get some notoriety. But uh, it was it was kind of fun to watch that interaction he had with umpire, but with a drunk woman in the stand and whatnot. Looks like um, she's had seven hundred drinks. Her <laughs> <laughs> drinks, yeah. Yeah, and then he shows up at the award ceremony to get his silver plate or whatever it was for second place, and he has a red cap on, which they specifically told me could not do at Wimbledon, you know, and uh, he gets fined for that. So, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely uh, sticking it to them. But um, but anyway, uh, just wanted to call and say hi. And, uh, All right. And maybe, um, maybe tomorrow y'all can try to have Teddy on and talk to him. Um, some open championship. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, you? you're right. Uh, with uh, everybody, um, well, I should say, uh, over in the Open, the British Open, that is, and the, they call it the Open over there. With their, it was the first Open, but yeah, we'll get our PGA uh, resident uh, official on the air, maybe, and uh, get him to talk about a few things too. Did I mentioned a little earlier on the show did, uh, that the Justice Department is looking into uh, any trust? Uh, uh, regards with regards to the PGA and the LIV, so that ought to be interesting. They're not saying they're doing anything about it; they're just overseeing what's taking place. Did you see that article in that regard? Yeah, we talked about it last night on the show. Uh, I think you know it's um, they, they had a similar investigation in in '94 when um, kind of when they they first started trying to have this world tour uh, uh, type of thing. Um, I, I, yeah, I think the, the PGA Tour, and I'm telling you, I was talking about that last night. It, it's kind of a twofold thing, you know. Um, it, it's very dear to my heart in that it's the you know, parent company of the tour that, to me, created all, all of these other tours, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it is a little suspicious that they suddenly came up with all that money uh, to, to have these other tournaments, you know. Uh, and but that the fact that golfers. A are independent contractors; they're not employees of the PGA Tour. True. And the tour has does it have the, the they have the right to set requirements for membership in, in, in their tours. So if, if that means playing 15 events stateside, which is what it means, um, and they allow them to play three other events uh, per year that are opposite PGA Tour uh, field events. Uh, so some of these world tour events and whatnot, and those are normally reserved for the for the elite, you know, the ones who are high in the world rankings. Um, I, I don't see where there's going to be much of an antitrust um, liability against the PGA Tour here. You know, it, it, it it's just the, the model, the way it's set up. I don't I don't think they're going to going to find anything. But but boy, I'm telling you, I read Greg Norman's statement and that he wrote to the commissioner and man. I don't know what, at what point somebody did that man something, but he just, <laughs> he has it out. He, yeah, he's he's you know, he's just hell bent on on destroying the PGA Tour. It seems like, and you're breaking it up does, a little it, bit. It yeah, is, you know, and, and you know, and everybody says, "Oh well, you know." I, I mean, I said, "Look, the PGA Tour." you know, made Greg Norman, because look, Greg, Greg Norman back in the day, I rooted for him like crazy. He was the lovable, I call him lovable loser. Now, he won a couple majors, but he lost way more than, than he won in heartbreaking fashion. I mean, he would just he would just find ways to lose, and sometimes it was bad luck, sometimes it was just choking under pressure, but you you rooted for him, you know, he just had that persona, you know, the great white shark, and, and, and then after golf, he was savvy enough, credit to him, to turn that that little shark logo into a, a multi-billion-dollar enterprise with his clothing line, and then expand it to other uh, other areas, and and uh, and yeah, I mean he, uh, he 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 definitely knew how to market himself and how to how to make a lot of money, you know, off the golf course uh, after after golf. But I just don't know what he has to at his age and at this point, what's in it for him, you know. Um, why? Why is he so hell bent on this? And it, I, it, I don't. If, if I thought it was for the good of the game, I'd say great. You know, this is. Uh, and look, eventually, it probably will end up just being one big global tour, just like we're headed toward um, alignment or, or uh, 
two super conferences in the in college football yeah. that could you know that's kind of we probably head toward one big tour uh, on the on the uh, on the golf scene. But in the meantime, I just don't like the way it's playing out. It's creating and it's creating a lot of animosity, you know, between players that that used to be friends and. Uh, just and, and when a guy could, could win, uh, Pat Perez won nine hundred thousand dollars last week, and he shot eighty in the last round. But he was on the team that that finished high, you know. And that's I don't know. To me, to me, golf always rewarded you for good good play, and and that was one of the things. If you if you didn't play well, you end up normally going to work at a Wall Street place or a financial analyst if you couldn't keep your your car, you know, but you you made your living yourself, and and now this is just man. Oh, and yeah. what the way they're they're treating the caddies, that these planes they have, these extravagant airplanes, and the hotels they're putting them up in, and all oh, man, it's whew, yeah. The I caddy, can't blame them, the caddies you know? might be making more than some of the players on the PGA Tour <laughs> with all their perks that, and everything. That, that, there's no doubt, you know. There's no doubt they're probably making more than than than, than uh, uh, anybody ranked number one, one hundred on down. If the Gabby's over right. there making four, so that's, that's unbelievable. That's You're crazy. right, but uh, yeah. But anyway, it'll be an interesting open. I think, yeah. man, it's it's um, I think it's wide open. Um, yeah, it's just gonna be it's gonna be a pretty. I think you can see some low scores over there. Teddy and I were talking about it. It's really dry out there, and they're not predicting a lot of bad uh, weather like they normally have wind, rain. So a um, lot of wedges, a lot of short shots in. I think you'll see some some low scores, and um, it, it's um, there's a couple guys I think primed to maybe break through and win their first major. Obviously, Xander Shoffley uh, being at the top of that list. Have, he he having won three times in just the last probably five weeks, you know. So he's. Um, definitely the hottest one going in so we'll if y'all talk to ted we'll we'll try to oh we'll get him on yeah we'll get him uh, on i just wanted to point out the irony of the cleveland browns paying somebody a half million dollars to play against them that (laughs) is a brownie thing (laughs) yeah it is they gotta pay almost five million during the course of the year for him ten yeah oh that much yeah i thought he was somewhere around four eight or something of that nature wow but that's just unbelievable unbelievable Oh yeah, yeah, it, it is unbelievable. Anyway, thanks anyway, for the all yeah, right, thanks man, for we'll the phone call. Appreciate it. We'll have Ted on later on uh, this week, I'm sure. Appreciate the call. Uh, by the way, Tiger Woods, and you know, Coach uh, Indes used to talk about how Tiger Woods would be very deliberate. I'm getting an update here. Uh, maybe the, the city has opened up the railroad. Yeah, tracks. the train. Uh, yeah, yeah. NIPD has cleared the scene. All railroad crossings are now open. So we just got word from I think there the was city there. Someone that was killed too. Yeah, unfortunate uh, yeah. pedestrian. So anyway, uh, Tiger Woods very deliberate uh, about uh, whatever comes out of his mouth. Uh, but speaking yesterday ahead of the, uh, oh, I guess this would have been early this morning uh, their time. Uh, or early this morning, our time, uh, but uh, Tuesday morning, uh, speaking ahead of the Open Championship on uh, St. Andrews, Woods argued golfers who jumped to the rival tour turned their back on what has allowed them to get to this position. He also wondered whether future decisions about world ranking points and the potential inability to play in major tournaments were considered. So again, uh, interesting comments from Tiger Woods, and by the way, pairings have been 
announced uh, for the opening round. Uh, threesome pairings for the first and second rounds of this week's uh, Open Championship were released today. And um, not sure if what times these are. It says 9.58. Morikawa, McElroy, Chaffel. Uh, 10.09, Lowry, Thomas, Hovland. 10.20, Zalatoris, Matsuyami, Finau. And at 126, Scheffler, Neiman, Hatton. 2.59, Woods, Fitzpatrick, Homa. 3.10, Spieth, Wam, Varner III. Among some of those notable tee times. Uh, but again, I'm not sure what time zone that would be. Yeah, that's probably about five hours. Maybe even uh, probably five hours from us uh, in that regard, uh, London time. So, uh, of course... Green Green Greenwich Village, I think uh, they call it. Uh, anyway, uh, Scotland being uh, due north of London, uh, St Andrews. I think about five hours would be about right, Jeff. And, and again, since we observe daylight saving time, and um, I don't think Europe does, uh, that changes it to maybe, uh, and we spring forward, right? Correct. So we 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 sort of gain an hour on them. So it's probably five hours uh, between here and Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah, I was just looking up real quickly. Uh, uh, right now in London, England, it is, uh, let's see, my world clock here, one uh, thirty-five p.m. So, yeah, that's six hours still. Yeah, so a total of six hours so with our daylight savings time. So, anyway... Let's go ahead and take our break, but a little teaser before that. Uh, we have another uh, female, a minority owner in the NFL we'll talk about uh, when we come back. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's literally a minority owner Yeah, in both respects. Both categories, yeah. yes, that's right. Anyway, another female. Anyway, you're listening to Kane Radio's Bayou Sports here on uh, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. At Arsenal Ford, we're making it even easier with our Ford mobile service van. For your convenience, we have a mobile service solution for you. You provide the vehicle and I'll handle the rest. Ford mobile service. We make it easy at Arsenal Ford. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. 
Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And uh, a little teaser as we went off the air about uh, a new minority owner in the NFL and the Denver Broncos uh, made an announcement uh, recently that uh, former U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice has joined the incoming ownership of the uh, Denver Broncos. Rice, who also served as the National Security Advisor as well as a provost of uh, Stanford University, lived in Denver during her childhood and received her bachelor's degree and doctorate from the University of Denver. And uh, in, a ju- a, in June, I should say, a group led by a Walmart heir, Rob Walton, that includes Walton's daughter, Carrie Walton Pinner, her husband, Greg Pinner, Melody uh, Hobson, the co-CEO of Aerial Investments and chair of the board of Starbucks Corporation agreed to purchase the Broncos. I still shake my head at $4.65 billion. That's billion with a B. In a statement Monday, Walton said, we're pleased to welcome former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice uh, to our ownership group, highly respected public servant, accomplished academic and corporate leader. Secretary Rice is well known as a passionate, knowledgeable football fan who worked to make the uh, sport stronger and better. She is the daughter of a football coach, served on the inaugural college football playoff committee, and her unique experience and extraordinary judgment will be a great benefit to our group and the Broncos organization. So, uh, Jeff, uh, pretty interesting uh, in that regard uh, with uh, Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, I wonder what her skin in the game is, how much she put up. Yeah, and, yeah I, I don't think the Waltons needed her money, but I think it's an opportunity to show a little inclusion, uh, maybe get a little bit of a bump off of it. Yeah, and, you know, I, when the Saints were purchased by Meekum back in the 60s, mid-60s, uh, I think he purchased them for, which at the time was a great uh, dollar amount, like 7 or $8 million, and uh, one of our local residents, uh, Mr. Walter McElhenney, had a portion of that. And I'd heard over the years it was anywhere between 3 and 5%. If somebody knew better, uh, let us know, give us a phone call. But uh, And over the years, Meekum, uh, making money with the Saints, ended up buying out the majority. I even think uh, Dave Dixon had a small part in the ownership of the Saints. Uh, of course, they call him the father of the Superdome uh, in that regard. Uh, but... I want to say Condoleezza Rice. Uh, eh, I'm going to take a swing at it and say uh, maybe three to five percent, like Mr. Walter McElhenney. And uh, you wonder over the years if she'll buy in more or if uh, if she'll maybe sell her shares uh, for a small profit. I don't see her uh, buying more. I, well, where's her money coming from? That's a good point. You know, uh, even if she was making a mid uh, six figure salary, uh, whether it be. Uh, as a secretary of state or uh, college, I can't see the college uh, 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 you know, playoff program paying a, any kind of large sum of money. Maybe her investment, Stanford, I don't see Stanford paying her that kind of money. She wasn't there that long. No. And, and again, and I don't know if she gets a pension uh, having worked in the government. Uh, I'm not sure, but... But again, it's not that can't be that significant. And like you mentioned earlier, the Waltons can write a lot of big checks. Yeah, and even probably twice and three times that. I think I want to say they're they might be the, the richest family on the face of the earth uh, in that regard with uh, WalMarts, and I'm sure they have other investments in that. Elon regard. Musk and Bezos are considered the two richest individuals. Correct. 
whether or not uh, it translates to what the Waltons are doing, but uh, yeah, that, that is spread. I like the interest off of what the Waltons are making. Yeah, you know, I could survive very well. Anyway, Condoleezza Rice, uh, a minority owner with the Denver Broncos. And uh, that's good to see and also uh, we'll see. Uh, of course, the Walton family, $4.65 billion. You know, I'm sure uh, a lot of the uh, NFL owners right now are clapping their hands with glee because that just enhances their ownership with regards to some of the other teams, even the small market teams like the Saints, the Steelers, uh, uh, Jacksonville, uh, somebody please take, uh, you know, in that regard. So um, that just uh, brings more to the light when you think about it, I can remember the Yankees being bought by the Steinbrenners for $10 million back in the mid-60s when George Steinbrenner bought the Yankees. When you think what they're worth today. It was it was that uh, early that he took over? I, you know, I would have thought earlier, 70s. It, that might have been. CBS might have paid 8 to $10 million for the Yankees uh, from the, uh, what was the name of the family that uh, owned them? Um, the father and son combo uh, that owned the Yankees back in the early 60s in the last of their heydays. And Yankees went from 65 to 76 without winning a pennant. Uh, or maybe they won the pennant in 76 and then had a strong next four or five years with that group. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, George Larry Starbuck. McPhail uh, actually had a piece of the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, from uh, Rupert, Jacob Rupert, yes. uh, their estate uh, back in 1945. Uh, sold the team to CBS in 1964, during which time the franchise struggled, selling the team at a loss. CBS sold the team to a group headed by George Steinbrenner in 73. And while Steinbrenner initially owned less than half of the team, he bought out many partners, eventually owning 70% of the team. Yeah, and I want to say it was did they disclose a, a price that was paid uh, at either one of those transactions in '64 or in '73 too? Not in this particular. Uh, this just is talking about the history of the teams, but uh, the team ownership. Uh, let's see, under Steinbrenner's ownership, Yankee Nets was formed after a merger of the business operation of the Yankees and New Jersey Nets. After the Nets were sold to Bruce Ratner. Yankee Nets became a limited liability company known as Yankee Global Enterprises. They own uh, both the Yankees and the Yes Network. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, I want to say $10 million, 8 to $10 million comes in, into uh, being. They said it was at a loss. CBS, uh, the, the one thing they did mention about prices, CBS selling it to Steinbrenner and yeah. his group at a loss. Here's what, here's what I just found that. Uh, on January 3rd, 1973, a 12-member group headed by George Steinbrenner purchases the New York Yankees for $10 million from the Columbia Broadcasting System, uh, who had owned the team since uh, 1964. And so the, the, I knew it wasn't a – when you think about it, what they're worth today and his investment of $10 million, uh, that's, gee, a thousand-fold almost. I'm sure the Yankees are worth uh, 4 or $5 billion, if not uh, even more. Yeah, I'd imagine it's in that neighborhood. Yeah, so it's just unbelievable uh, in that, you know, $10 million. And you, you think about it, you could have bought uh, some of these uh, major league franchises back in the 60s, you know, for maybe 2 or $3, 4000000 million at, at most. Of course, that was a lot of money, everything being relative. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I don't know if this story tells us anything new. But we were talking about it yesterday, and we rant on occasion about um, 
publicly funded stadiums. Mm-hmm. Channel 3 uh, on their website put up a story from Newsy, which is a news service, All right, uh, talking about um, the low impact of publicly funded stadiums on those cities. And it, it offered up some interesting points about uh, the idea that the NFL, you, you think of it as a big company, but you know, a, a National Football League franchise generates about the same economic impact as, say, a department store like a Macy's. Okay. It's not that big of an impact. And you know what? It's only eight to ten times a year and possibly yeah. one more if they, or two if they make the playoffs. Even baseball stadiums, a quarter of the days. Yes. You know, there's 81 games, um, in theory, 81 days, obviously some doubleheaders in there. So that's, you know, you build a restaurant next to a stadium and you hope it has an impact. But then again, it's empty three quarters of the time. Yeah, six months of the year, you know, there's no one around. And like you said, uh, during the season, uh, baseball being anywhere from uh, March, well, not really, in Florida or Arizona. So you're looking from April, end of March, April, into uh, maybe the first week in October. Other than that, the stadium's pretty much empty. And, you know, is there development around these stadiums? Perhaps. But it's usually suffering on a different end of town because – if they move from one place to another. So um, very small economic impact from cities, uh, taxpayer dollars going to these facilities. But people just hate to lose those teams. That, that they do. I know the outcry in New Orleans when the Jazz moved out to Utah. The only thing I regret, they didn't demand to leave the uh, moniker, the nickname in New Orleans. Uh, I just... Yeah, let them call them the Utah Mountaineers. I, I don't know what uh, all the mountains out there, the Salt Lakes the or the Lakes. You can't call them the Lakers. The Lakers yeah. already took that, and they left Minnesota uh, with it back in the uh, uh, 50s. So uh, who knows? Uh, but know, you're I, right. I remember when I was doing Zephyr games, and uh, there was a team from the Pacific Coast League called the Salt Lake City Buzz. And I thought, here's two things you don't think about as far as Salt Lake City jazz and a buzz yeah you just you, you don't associate those uh, of course it was a bee that that's right the, well there i know. think the bees are pretty popular out there Maybe in uh, so. utah that might be it uh anyway uh oh wow <laughs> interesting anyway let us go ahead and take our second break uh we'll come back uh, and talk a little uh ul uh, recruiting anyway uh, listening to bayou sports here on kane radio fm 1075 am 1240 we'll be back with more right after this is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one hi this is jake blanchard with la classic roofing we're a third generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years as a locally owned and operated company we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. 
Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Louisiana. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, uh, FM 107.5, AM 1240. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Jeff, you know, we did a little bit on uh, LSU the other day. And of course, with the Cajuns being just uh, 18, 20 miles up the road, uh, uh, try to give some fans some perspective of what's taking place with uh, the Cajuns and uh, new head coach, uh, Michael Desimo. Of course, a New Iberian native, former uh, Catholic High uh, quarterback, along with Raging Cajun quarterback. And they've picked up a few commitments. Uh, I'm not up to date on all of them, uh, but uh, looking at the 247 perspective, which is uh, a pretty highly regarded recruiting service, uh, the, they've got, I believe, four commitments uh, that I have at hand right now. And also, you know, they've also done a pretty good job of recruiting the junior colleges, too. But Justin Williams uh, out of uh, Adeline uh, MacArthur, Houston, Texas, is a, an athlete at 6'3", 180 pounds. He's committed to the Cajuns. Also, Matthew Broussard, uh, 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 on, I want to say an offensive lineman out of uh, Thibodeau, playing at E.D. White, 6'4", 280 pounds, is also uh, committed to the Cajuns in that regard. Of course, they're on a lot of players throughout uh, southwest Louisiana. I'm sure they're beating on uh, Harvey Broussard uh, in that regard. Uh, Of course, Harvey Broussard, the fine uh, athlete out of St. Martinville right now. And uh, they've they've had a couple wide receivers uh, and some players out of Cecilia. One's name escapes me right now. I'm going through a about an eight-page list of uh, players. Also, another young man, Javon Hayes, a uh, as a commitment. He's a five-nine, hundred and seventy-five-pound running back out of uh, Woodlawn in uh, Baton Rouge. And they also had a commitment, and uh, he was a highly regarded running back out of Riverside, out of uh, uh, the the uh, I guess Gramercy area up in that area uh, running back who was listed at about uh, five five ten about a two hundred and ten pounds and of course they've had some success with uh, a lot of other uh, players in that regard so we'll see how that uh, will take place uh, so the Cajuns uh, right now are uh, doing pretty well Coach Mike Desimo of course boy they lost. Uh, as Coach Napier took a, uh, two or three players, I think, with him, and uh, a, a player or two headed to Baton Rouge, I believe, uh, a linebacker or a cornerback, and the wide receiver, Lacey, and then one other linebacker headed to Kansas. Why? He left UL to head to Kansas. Uh, uh, just uh, just astounds me. Got to be the food. Yeah, yeah it's not the uh, – <laughs> anyway. But uh, Coach Desimo, and there's, there's still a f- – 
a few pretty good athletes in this area, too, for him to knock on. I know there was a young man out of Lafayette High who was highly regarded. Uh, I want to say an athlete also. Uh, so we'll see how. And then Jai Eugene is a, a, a quarterback a athlete out of Destrahan, along with um, Dunham has Jake Russo. Uh, I'm sure no relationship to uh, uh, the Russo, your baseball king. Anyway, but Harvey Broussard is one of the Cajuns I'm sure are going to stick on and see what they can find out. Uh, Hunter Fontenot is also uh, a linebacker out of uh, Piscopo there on. Uh, a pretty good player, 6'1", about 190 pounds. And uh, basically I was looking at uh, some others uh, in Dutchtown and Dunham uh, and Brother Martin and Tory Lambert is a young man they, they've shown interest in. Uh, Grayson Sonier is the young man. He's a quarterback. Uh, I think a nephew of uh, our high-tech uh, Jim Wiggins uh, mm. and uh, Danette uh, Wiggins. Uh, but Grayson's the quarterback over at Lafayette High School. Uh, it's a Sonier. is S-A-U-N-I-E-R, Grayson. 6'3", 190 pounds. Uh, a pretty good student also from what I understand. So, uh, anyway, the Cajuns are uh, making inroads to recruiting. And we'll stay a, a little bit on top of that through the course of the year. And hopefully uh, – Coach Desmo can lasso a few of the better players in this area. And see, instead, of, I hate to see them leave the state for whatever reason, uh, whether it be to A&M or Kansas or Ole Miss or, or Arkansas in that regard. But I'd uh, like to see our local players stay at home and uh, bring enjoyment and entertainment to our fans. Anyway, uh, don't know if you have anything else on that, uh, Jeff, too. Not, not uh, on that, but sticking with college football, uh, so where it appears that uh, is no longer the case uh, for the SEC to look to continue to expand beyond USC, excuse me, USC and UCLA. Uh, Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports confirmed a report from Matt Hayes of Saturday Down South stating that the SEC will remain at 16 teams after the additions of Oklahoma and Texas in 2025. Uh, again, USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten, not the SEC. In the era of conference realignment, there may have been an attraction to continue adding new schools. However, Hayes said that current SEC school presidents, athletic directors, prefer that the conference remains at 16. As I mentioned earlier, you expand to like 20 teams, and what's the point of a conference? Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, I saw recently that uh, with you, you know, really, you know, last summer it was Texas and Oklahoma. This summer it's UCLA and USC. I don't think it's over. I, I still think you're going to see some defections. I'd love to see four 16-team conferences yeah. be sort of the uh, assumed playoff conferences and let the winners of those conferences play in the playoff, unless they expand. Yeah. And, and that's likely. And they uh, can. I, I see it ended up being maybe 12 teams, possibly at the most 16, with, you know, it uh, bearing down to two. But uh, – you know, a lot of people go, oh, what do you think Notre Dame's going to do? I don't think Notre Dame's going to do anything, to be very honest with you. I think they're, they're going to. They're, they're, they're patient. Yeah. They're, that, they're that's not a good rushing to do word. anything. Uh, that was a quote basically from, I don't know if it was uh, uh, the, the school president or the athletic director, but he said, yeah, we're kind of patient. We're, we're not yeah. in a hurry to do anything. Yeah, it's not like they need the money either. So uh, they've got their contract in hand, too. They don't have to share with anyone. And, of course, uh, they play all their 
other minor sports, I say minor, but basketball and baseball and uh, every other minor. One. Yes, <laughs> associated with the AA, oh, with the ACC, I should say. And you wonder, uh, you know, what Clemson, Florida State, uh, those type schools might do. I'm not sure, but uh, they can carry a little weight. Uh, Miami being another one. But Miami being a private school, who knows what uh, they might be thinking about. But uh, They're in the ACC, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they sure yeah. are, along with Florida State, Clemson. I mean, we're yeah. talking independence and all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Miami wasn't independent for forever. Yeah, but a private school that can move at their own pace again. But Notre Dame, I, I don't see them joining a conference. Uh, I just think they're going to play it out and uh, – and hopefully they can keep their association with NBC. With I think NBC throws them thirty thirty five million a year, and the Irish pretty much have had a lot of success. Of course, uh, they they have a new coach this year uh, since uh, their former coach is in Baton Rouge and Coach Kelly. And uh, I, I just I just don't see Notre Dame making any moves. And again, no hurry. Uh, one other college football note, uh, as we teased earlier, Gary Moeller he. Succeeded Bo, ben- Bo Schembechler uh, as Michigan's head football coach. Later led the Detroit Lions as an interim coach. Uh, passed away on Monday. He was 81. Uh, UM announced his death. No cause provided. Promoted from offensive coordinator to lead the Wolverines in 1990. Was 44-13-3 over five seasons. Uh, Lloyd Carr, who succeeded Moeller, Said Gary Mullen was a great family man, great friend, great coach, and a man of integrity and high character. I admired him. I respected him. I loved him. Uh, two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year, Mullen won a conference championship in each of his first three years. Had four bowl victories, including the 1993 Rose Bowl over Washington. He stepped down in May of '95, less than a week after he was arrested on charges stemming from a drunken outburst at a restaurant in Detroit or suburban Detroit. I'd forgotten about that incident. Bounced back in his personal and professional life, becoming a tight ends coach for the Bengals, Cincinnati Bengals, that same season. Went on to lead the Lions. Linebackers was their interim coach in 2000 after Bobby Ross quit midway through the season. Four and three as the Lions interim coach. Yeah, the biggest thing I can remember about that with Bo Black, the coach of the Wolverines for many years, was that when the basketball coach decided during the end of the season when the, the NCAA tournament was getting ready to start, he took the job at Arizona. And uh, Bo who got on the press conference and said, and I was screaming, we're not going to have the Arizona coach uh, the Wolverines in the NCAA tournament. And he fired him and brought in his assistant, and they went all the way to the finals, too, and won the national won championship. Yeah, That's right. An amazing run there. Moeller, by the way, he was uh, fired after Paul Edinger made a 54-yard field goal with two seconds left to lift the Bears to victory. In the regular season finale, that knocked the Lions out of the playoffs. Oh, wow. With Barry Sanders. Um, it, that was in 95. 2000. 2000, yeah. I think yeah. might have been Barry Sanders last year because he played from, oh, what did he play, eight, nine years? Uh, nine years. Was that, was that Oklahoma uh, State at 86, 87, 88, 89, 90? I'm not sure if he uh, you might, Yeah, you might be right. Nine years. I don't, did he play 10 years in the league? I, I know he made the playoffs in 98. I think yeah, it was the 97, 98 season. Detroit did make the playoffs. I think his only, maybe his only playoff appearance. Uh, and I think he hung it up soon after that. Yeah, just uh, Barry Sanders, uh, uh, just probably one of the more electric running backs in the league. I think he 
was second all time, maybe to Walter Payton in rushing. But I don't know if Gore, if Gore passed him or not. Frank Gore uh, passed him. Frank Gore seemed like played forever for everybody. I think he was number three when he finished. Yeah, you might be right. And but Gore seemed like played his last year, this past year. Who knows? He, he may come back amazing. His uh, and never being injured or seriously injured. Uh, to maintain that stability as a running back in the NFL because you get pounded upon so often. He was about 1,500 yards short of um, Walter Payton when he stepped down. Yeah. And I'm pulling up uh, to see exactly when he retired. Uh, Let's see. I can't believe I'm struggling to find this here. Let's see. Professional career. Yeah, 98 was his final season. Okay. All right. And that was the year they... 89 uh, to 98. Oh, wow. Just amazing. So uh, he uh, he might have had one uh, playoff run at all. So that 98 season, his last. Anyway, uh, oh, well. Um, anyway, Jeff, uh, I don't know if whatever, maybe a little tidbits before we head to an, uh, another break. But uh, today in sports history, got some interesting points and a couple of interesting birthdays and... Uh, one quote of the day that's pretty interesting. So uh, I don't know if you're ready to take a break uh, for uh, right now. We can do that and be back with, uh, as you mentioned, stay with us three minutes after. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. At Arsenal Ford, we're making it even easier with our Ford Mobile Service Van. For your convenience, we have a mobile service solution for you. You provide the vehicle, and I'll handle the rest. Ford Mobile Service. We make it easy at Arsenal Ford. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Hi, this is Boxcar Badger, inviting you to join me and PGA Golf Professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes, and we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oaks. So let's make a tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. Uh, Jeff, today in sports history, July 12th, want to wish a happy birthday out to our classmate Frank Gio, celebrating a birthday today uh, in the new decade. Frank, uh, happy birthday. In the meantime, uh, in 1921, Babe Ruth set one of uh, many records, of course. He hit his 137th career home run, which at the time was the most in Major League Baseball history. 137 home runs, 1921, Babe Ruth held the record, and I'm sure he held it until uh, Hank Aaron passed him up in that uh, 
Atlanta evening back in April of 74. Elsewhere, uh, the New York Yankee slugger also in 27 was on his halfway point to his 60 home runs. He smacked number 30 in New York, 7 and nothing went over the Indians at Dunfield. Of course, the Indians now being uh, the Guardians. And uh, something interesting about that, that season, too, a lot of people don't realize, he hit 18 home runs in September of that year, of 1927, wow. to, to eclipse the 60 mark. Anyway, in 1930, the U.S. Men's Open Golf. He's been Inter- on a bender in the month of August, huh? <laughs> he must have stopped eating hot dogs. <laughs> <Yeah>, something. <laughs> he hit 18 home runs that year, and that's what uh, separated him from a lot of Because you, as well as I do know, that in a major league season, you just you, your stamina just starts to drain a little bit and come to the end of the year. A lot of these guys hit 35 and 38 home runs by the All-Star break. And they end up with 45 and 50 home runs. They just the, the wear and tear of the body is just amazing. And, and I've got to think, too, uh, pitchers start to treat you differently once you've uh, accomplished, you know, that 30 home runs through uh, the middle of July, that kind of a situation. Pitchers are going to finally say no more. Yeah, you know? you're right. And uh, they'll start throwing you more breaking pitches and off-speed junk. Anyway, in 1930, uh, U.S. Open, uh, I, sh- uh, I should say, the U.S. Open men's golf interlocking. The country club defending champ Bobby Jones wins a record time fourth U.S. Open title by two strokes uh, for his uh, third consecutive major title. In 1949, Jeff, baseball owners agreed to erect warning paths before each fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were no warning paths, uh, you know, with the went from grass to dirt, and ball players would feel the difference in the uh, texture of the right, ground. Right, right. So in that regard, especially on the side, it also line. saved weed eating. Along yeah, yeah the fences, you're right, you and know. cutting a lot more grass too. Anyway, uh, 1949, the Rams signed Norm Van Brocklin, the Dutchman. Of course, the Dutchman led the Eagle his last game. They win the NFL championship in 1960, the only playoff game the Packers have ever lost under Vince Lombardi. Mm. And 1960, and Brocklin. The very next year in '61 is the head football coach of the Minnesota Vikings for the next few years. And uh, something I'm sure dear to your heart, 1979, on this date, Disco Demolition Night at uh, Comiskey Park as the fans go, wow. Destroying. Time for Brad Palmer. Yeah, here sport. we go. Many of the fans are scattering off the field now when they fight the police. And many such security numbers are joining the police, which are now about 40 or 50, and they're slowly, now rapidly, walking out the center field where the fire is burning. The fans are now streaming off the field in great numbers. And I doubt if very few will be left to confront the police as they come in helmets and nightstick gear. That was the scene between games of a doubleheader at Comiskey Park last night as White Sox owner Bill Veck went a promotion too far. It was billed as Disco Demolition Night. A rock disc jockey came up with the idea of blowing up disco records as part of his self-serving campaign against disco. And the White Sox went along by admitting anybody bringing a disco record for 98 cents. You try something. Which was the radio station he worked at, the Loop 98 <laughs> FM uh, at the time. Steve Dahl, Gary Meyer, uh, the, the whole summer was a campaign against disco, and it culminated with that event and uh, interrupted the uh, canceled. Uh, the Sox had to forfeit the second That's game right. of the doubleheader. That is correct, too. Of course, uh, Mr. Beck. I was watching that whole thing <laughs> unfold on my 11-inch black-and-white TV in my bedroom. Bill Veck, uh, owner of the White Sox back then, uh, just amazing. So on this date in 1989, New York Yankee great Ron Guidry retires. Of course, Guidry, 
the Scott native uh, Northside High School, played uh, American Legion baseball against the Cajuns. I remember Johnny Pat, who owned him. <laughs> Johnny used to hit rockets off of him. How? I don't know. No one else could hit Ron Gidry like Johnny could. Gidry ended up with a 170-91 win-loss record, uh, which was, was a 651 percentage, 329 ERA. And, of course, when he discovered the slider in the minor leagues, which brought him up to the Yankees and the rest is history. They retired number 49, Louisiana Lightning, a few years later elsewhere in this date Kirby Puckett uh, center fielder for the twins retires after 12 seasons after uh, due to loss of vision in one eye 96 Michael died and died way too soon yeah you're right about that just a class ball player too for the uh, twins back in the day Kirby Puckett uh, meanwhile what one two I want to say one two uh, World Series for the Twins in 87 and 91. Yeah, beat the yeah. Cardinals and the Braves in that regard. And b- both uh, series, they won all their home games. That's right. They uh, all, both won right. seven, seven games. And I, I want to say the 87 World Series was the first played exclusively on AstroTurf. I think you're right about that, too. And I want to say, like you said, they won all their home games, uh, each team. Mm-hmm. Amazing. First time, I think, ever that happened uh, in World Series play, too. Don't know about that. I would imagine for one team to do it twice, maybe. Yeah. Uh, just uh, So I'll look that up. Anyway, in the meantime, Michael Jordan signs an NBA contract with the Bulls for one year for $30 million. And, Jeff, here's something I, I wanted to see if, see if you can recall this. In 1997, the Cubs played their 5,000th consecutive game without being no-hit. Have there been no-hit since then? Yeah, they were no-hit. In fact, uh, Jake Arrieta no-hit the Cubs one year, and then the next year he got a no-hitter for the Cubs. Okay. But, yeah, All at right. least in uh, 2016 or 2015, I believe. So um, he no hit five thousand games. That's roughly uh, thirty years of baseball, yeah, or or more. Anyway, birthdays today: Ron Fairley, the American League utility uh, player, broadcaster for Major League Baseball, uh, was a former USC. I think they won a couple championships under Ron Dado when he was at uh, USC. Birthday today with the Dodgers, Expos, and Mariners. And born in Macon, Georgia. Also, uh, this day, birthday, Paul Silas, American basketball player, coach of the Celtic Supersonics, born in Prescott, Arkansas. 62, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, the Mexican boxer, three-weight division world champion, born in Mexico on this date. 1971, Christy Yamaguchi, the American figure skater, gold medal in 92, world championships in 91 and 92, born in Haywood, California. And uh, the quote of the day, Jeff, uh, from Ted Turner, he said one of his life goals in life was to be surrounded by unpretentious, rich young men, well, then I bought the Braves, and I was surrounded by 25 of them. <laughs> Ted Turner, of course, formerly married to Jane Fonda. Uh, I used to watch him. It was hilarious when TBS had the Braves. He and Jane Fonda right there on the front row doing the tomahawk chop in the seventh inning. Here they are, both heads on each other sleeping in the seventh inning of ball games. So uh, Ted Turner, of uh, owner of the Atlanta Braves, and uh, I think he has since sold the Braves, yes, too. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yes. But he made a few coins. He sold uh, off most of his empire. Yeah, he sure has. So and I think he sold off Jane Fonda, too. Uh, they're no longer together. Anyway, uh, any other tidbits before we hand it over to the Breakfast Club? Nope, I've got nothing. All right, well, that makes two of us. So uh, join us uh, tomorrow morning uh, after the obituaries here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back tomorrow with more on the sporting world. In that case, Jeff, now back to you. Uh, once again, big thanks to our sponsors. Bayou Sports brought to us in part by the Quarter Tavern as well as 
L.A. Classic Roofing, Arsenault Ford, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, and Schwing Insurance. Uh, again, more Bayou Sports tomorrow morning. Lee Kay and the Breakfast Club after the news brought to us by Navid Funeral Homes. You're listening to KANE 1240 AM and K298CQ 107.5 FM, New Iberia. The voice of the Tash. K-A-N-E.